Hey there, Yuris here, and welcome to Community Life. Here we talk with the amazing humans from the community world about their life journeys and learn from each other. Today we have a conversation with Patrick O'Keefe, a digital creator with 20 plus years of experience in online communities, a happy father, an author of the Managing Online Forums book, a sucker for dark rides that move through physical spaces, and a Community Signal podcast host who lives in Hollywood. So hello, Patrick. Hey, Yuri. Thanks for having me. Super happy to finally meet you. After all the scheduling, we tried, we're finally here, and I'm happy that you found time. And the first question, what is one moment you like the most in the greatest night in pop Netflix documentary? You know, there are so many great moments. And, um, you know, I, I was careful not to spoil too many. Um, <laughs> but if I had to pick one, um, I think... One funny thing that I've I've realized from from watching it is just how much people respected Kenny Loggins, who is a great singer uh, um, of pop music and and especially well known. He's sort of the king of I think his nickname was the king of movie songs. Um, but he he did had this run of incredible movie songs in the eighties, um, songs for Top Gun and Caddyshack. I'm all right for Caddyshack, um, playing with the boys and uh, Danger Zone for Top Gun. Um, and just an amazing run. And I've always, you know, he's got a great voice, always liked him. But as they tell stories, you get the sense of sort of this, um, the way their dynamic they had, these 40 or so, you know, at the time, top of um, music performers, um, Michael Jackson, Lionel Richie, Bob Dylan, Stevie Wonder, just legends. Um, and, you know, a couple of times, like, what should we do, Kenny Loggins? And I thought that was really funny. I thought, like, I, I don't know why, not in a bad way. It's just like, you know, yeah, he's a great singer. Um, and then when it came to do his party, knocked it out in two seconds. So I thought, I thought that was great. I think there are other moments that a lot of people will point to and you'll read in reviews. So I won't, I won't talk about those. But uh, there's been a lot of Kenny Loggins in this house after, after watching it. Well, let's not spoiler anymore. And... Uh... What insights do you get from your wife, Cara, being on the team Netflix? Um, you know, there's a lot of different things that come up. Um, Netflix has, uh, you know, been an amazing place to work. Um, they have a, a, an interesting company culture that works very well for them. Um, I think that they hire the best people and uh, they treat it that way. Um, like my wife is amazing at what she does. Um, she's worked on multiple Oscar winning documentaries. She's Emmy nominated herself, has won a Peabody herself. Um, you know, just an amazing top of her top of her industry professional. Um, and yeah, I mean, Netflix is really interesting. They, they sort of have this mentality of we're all pros. Uh, we're all stars here. Um, I really don't like when company leaders call employees a family. Um, it's mm. a sort of a personal thing. Not a big fan of it. I'm not going to go punch anybody who says it. But um, when I hear that, I've had it said to me at companies where I knew I was underpaid, where I got 10 days of PTO a year. Um, and, you know, if we're family, then I want more time with mine, you know, um, and that's never more true than it is right now. So I think Netflix has a real honesty in how they approach those things. That's really good. Um, and, and Netflix just does things at a really high level. I'm, I'm I admire sort of the way they release things um, to the most and largest audience possible. So they probably don't get enough credit for how they release films. So they release their original films and series day and date globally. So wherever you are as a customer in the world, 
and they serve a lot of countries, it's like a hundred something countries, that it's available and you can consume it, meaning it's got dubs or subtitles. Also the work they do around accessibility, audibly described content is sort of industry leading um, and it's rarely talked about. I remember when I was at uh, uh, Warner Brothers, um, you know, HBO Max had just launched to 30 countries and everyone was like, wow, and that's great. I'm not taking anything away from it, but I'm like, Netflix is already absolutely amazing in a hundred plus countries. Um, and that accessibility to their content is something that I really admire. And what about insights on what documentaries to watch? Because for example, you know, there are people here and there, they see uh, advertisement, they jump to it and they have no idea of how it works. You basically have an access to kind of backstory process. So what is the difference for you? I, I watch almost everything that my wife works on. Um, and I think people have, um, uh, as, as you read uh, online reviews of, of things, you tend to pick up trends and people have sort of notions of like how the film industry works or how Netflix works. And it's always funny to me because like Netflix has uh, amazing people who are identifying really good documentaries and then they're empowering filmmakers to tell stories. Um, you know, th there's no cookie cutter format there. So they really are a way to bring important stories globally. So, you know, I um, I do have some favorites though. And I, I you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I like and I like some things more than others. I think some of my favorite things that she's worked on are um, uh, My Octopus Teacher, which won the Oscar for Best Documentary a few years ago. Um, and uh, High Score, which was a docu-series about the video game uh, industry, especially in the 80s, um, that was really well done. And uh, Challenger, The Final Flight, about um, the uh, NASA um, tragedy that occurred here in the 80s, uh, where the Challenger uh, blew up uh, after taking off. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I, they just got everyone to sit for it and talk about it. Um, and it was amazing. But, you know, she deals with a lot of, like, deep uh, social issues, um, you know, before this, before joining Netflix, she was on the independent studio side and, and did a lot of things around social issues. Um, class Divide is a documentary about uh, uh, the, the sort of the class divide in New York City and education. And some kids go to this amazing expensive school and right across the street, you have the projects. Um, and those kids can't really go to that school. Um, you know, she's talked about piracy on the open seas, like real piracy, like abuse of the oceans. Um, you know, Take Care of Maya was a recent documentary she did for Netflix, worked on for Netflix, where um, it's about sort of this this girl who was abused by the healthcare system, um, I think many would say. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot. It really is a lot of good things. The Greatest Night in Pop is the latest thing, and it's a, it's a fun one. Um, that's that's a fun one. There are some fun ones that come out. High Score was a fun one, the video game docuseries. So it's not all sort of um, uh, heady topics. I do tear up from time to time. Um, nothing makes me cry more than Pixar movies, though. Um, for some reason, just anything about Pixar. Um, that's why I really like Cars, because my one-year-old got into Cars, and I feel like that's less of a emotional, just gut punch uh, every two seconds, as opposed to Toy Story or Goodness Up is awful, at least the first few minutes. What is your favorite Cars character? My favorite Cars character, you know, I like Guido. Um, the guy who, who changes his tires, I really like, I like a lot of the characters. Mater's amazing, uh, you know, and Lightning McQueen is of course uh, fun and interesting, but there's something about this kind of simplicity of Guido's character and his focus on his task. Um, and I love the scene because now I've seen, I've seen the movie, again, my one-year-old really just discovered like two months ago and I've probably seen it just many times, many times. And so, uh, but when they're actually at the race at the end, and hopefully I'm not spoiling too much here, but uh, you know, his pit crew is now the people from Radiator Springs or the cars from Radiator Springs. 
and and Guido has to do a, a pit stop and change his tires, and then no one thinks he can do it, and they're making fun of him in the pit, and he's like, <laughs> pit stop. I mean, yeah. he's he's the best. Like, I really like him. So Guido, I think, is a is a is a very well loved character. I feel like it's like uh, when you can say everything without saying anything. Mm -hmm. You just show it by 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 doing by your emotions by your by how you look by how you do things. Yeah, I mm -hmm. totally get it. So let's move to yourself. Let's mm -hmm. start from the beginning. Tell me about your parents. Who are they? Um, my parents live on the East Coast. They live in Georgia. Um, they, uh, my dad works in hospitality. He's managed golf resorts and country clubs my entire life. My mom, um, has always been, um, in the home. Um, and uh, we were homeschooled or I was homeschooled for K to 12. I graduated a year early, um, was already sort of doing this, uh, work, uh, and went into it full time. I really only would have gone to college to play baseball, um, because I loved baseball and that was sort of one of my earlier dreams. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had really good parents. I think to me. Um, uh, I, 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 I think that, uh, I give two examples. First, um, we, I'm the oldest of three brothers and, um, uh, I think music is an interesting way that parents sort of pass something on to their kids, but, or their taste of music. But I also think that some people are too, um, afraid isn't quite the right word, but they, they, they really want their kids to have their taste in mm. music. And so I've seen posts online that are like, I'm so relieved that Johnny listens to these mu music. Um, I listen predominantly to, to rap and hip hop with a mix of things, obviously Mr. Kenny Loggins. Um, and my, my middle brother listens primarily to rock music and, uh, and punk. And my youngest brother's into like uh, dubstep and dance and electronic music. And, um, you know, we were all sort of encouraged to find our own things. And I think that's sort of the best that you can do. And in my case, you know, I was a teenager on a computer at all hours. Um, and I, I, I know that they didn't understand always what I was doing, but I never felt like I was being judged for doing it um, or that I had to leave by a certain age or you know I needed to do something by a certain date or I have to go to college or get out or go do this. Um, I think maybe not all parents have the, the privilege to be able to provide that environment. Um, there are a lot of factors um, and I don't want to judge anyone, but um, in my case, having that flexibility and freedom um, was important and ultimately led me down this path where um, I discovered online communities and, you know, they, I can do all the business stuff all day, talk about ROI, analytics and all those things. And I do, but um, I think online communities are, are something that has given me, that have given me half of my closest friends, people I met in online communities. They've given me a career in there, how I met my wife. So ultimately they've changed the arc of my life. So, you know, I have, I have 11 years old and when I was growing up, uh, mm -hmm. I also spent a lot of time uh, behind the computer screen, definitely games, definitely internet and parents didn't understand, but they always like, oh, you're playing your games again. Like, why don't mm -hmm. you go and play on street or something like that? Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I'm trying to, you know, my kid is playing a lot of games for sure on his uh, mm -hmm. iPad. And I'm trying to find like good angles because he connects with people. He mm -hmm. uh, improves his uh, communicational skills. He improves his strategical thinking skills. And a lot of, you know, it's a lot of uh, improvements and a lot of learnings during those video games. Mm -hmm. But how did your parents approach you in that way that still, even though they didn't understand you fully, they didn't make you feel guilty for that? 
I think they didn't be like classic 80s TV villain parents, like or movies like, uh, you know, I don't know, Ferris Bueller, you got to do this. You know, it's like it's it's maybe, maybe that reference is dated. But like, yeah, I mean, I think it's just being open um, and giving me good tools to navigate the world. So, I mean, online, there are all sorts of dangers. Certainly bad things happen every day. But I had a good, like, fundamental understanding of, like, well, you know, you don't give strangers this or you don't send anybody this. And so even though I was a, uh, you know, we got online when I was uh, 10, mm -hmm. 9, 8. I think we got, no, we got online 95, so I was 10. Um, you know, I I navigated the internet just fine. And, you know, I was, I played games, but on my computer, I was, I mean, I was moderating content at 13. So, um, you know, <laughs> I was, I would play in different games. No, I used to like to play uh, Tiger Woods 99 on my PC, but I was generally a console gamer. And even though I have a PC now that I, I'd like to do some gaming, I still, I still am a console gamer. But to answer your question, I think it's just sort of an openness, understanding, not brushing to judgment on things. Um, you know, everyone's imperfect. I'm imperfect as a parent. Um, but you know, just being open to the experiences that come, making sure I'm safe, but also making sure I have sort of the freedom to uh, to play and figure things out for myself. Who introduced you to hip hop? I want to say I introduced myself, um, <laughs> which means probably radio or TV. Um, MTV was, um, you know, obviously still a powerful media brand, but back then um, there was music videos and they were very much more prominent than they are now, at least on television. You had to sort of a more controlled um, audience, less options, less channels, etc. Um, no YouTube. And so um, honestly, I think it was just hearing it and liking it um, and uh, liking certain songs. And then, you know, I bought the clean versions. <laughs> That's what I have. Was, I had the clean versions. But again, to my to my parents credit, like it wasn't like you, you can't have this or you should be listening to this. It was okay. I've I just, you know, you know what you like, you, li you listen to it, you see it and you decide. And so that was it. But it would have been sort of radio or TV. How hip hop influenced your life? Um, I think that it, uh, you know, certainly gives me inspiration, like music does for a lot of people. Um, uh, you know, it it helps you through different periods. Um, you know, in my case, I uh, met my wife at a concert. Um, well, I met her before the concert, but the concert was sort of one of the kind of springboards. Um, I used to I used to uh, write a music blog, and um, I was I have a friend at a label and told me about a concert and then I knew someone else who was interested in one of the artists going to that concert that hadn't been announced I told that person and the person who bought the tickets is now my wife um and so you know uh you can give it credit for that sort of in a way too um but yeah I mean it's an it's a, you know it's an amazing medium lots of great stories and, and music and and just like any other form of art or music it's it's uh it primarily serves as like inspiration or or like um you know hoping you get through some sort of roadblock I think what is your go-to or maybe some songs that wear with you in your hard life moments or that you're turning on when your mood is low? Um, I'm a big fan of Drake, of Nas, of uh, the Notorious B.I.G. I'm a fan of, um, you know, going outside of hip hop. I mean, I went through like a period for some reason, I listened to Ozzy Osbourne a lot a couple years ago. Um, both new Aussie, because I thought he put out a really good album, and then going back and seeing old Aussie, um, you know, Diary of a Madman, songs like that. Um, 
Yeah, I think that, you know, those are a couple artists I, I turn to. I have a, a big library, lots of different stuff, um, a lot of hip hop, but also a lot of other random things. Once in a while, I'll listen to Def Leppard. That's like my childhood. I can hear like Def Leppard. That's the music of my childhood. I can hear that or that or Aerosmith. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's a wide mix, really. Have you ever wrote any hip hop songs? No. <laughs> have no, you ever thought not. about it? Um, I think I've thought about it in a parody sort of way. Like parody rap about something, but not any serious, meaningful way. No. What is the first memory of your childhood that comes to your mind right now? Um, I uh, I can't. I don't know. I don't really date memories um so much. At least ones that I think of as early. Like I can see. For some reason, I think of one of my earliest memories as as where my grandmother lived. Um in Florida uh, years and years ago, but I really couldn't date that except saying it was probably like late 80s, early 90s. Like I really don't know when it occurred. I just have, for example, this, this shred of a memory of seeing this place that I know she's there from the car. Um, gosh, I, I wish I could, I have some memory of going to the hospital when my brother, when my brother was born um, in 1989. Um, I have some memory of that in the hospital room. So I would have been like four and a half. Um, I guess that's, that's sort of the best thing I can come up with. I have a lot of different memories of like being older and of course more recent, but as, as a, as a, you know, I, I, I see moments and I don't know, I forget how old I was. <laughs> how did you, how do you feel at those moments where you were to visit your grandmother? Um, I, uh, you know, I had, uh, all people aren't perfect. I had, I had really good grandparents. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, uh, they've all passed except for one. Um, and they passed the, that one in particular passed a couple years ago. Um, and yeah, but I, I had, uh, I had good relationships with all of them. They were all unique, um, in their own way as people are, but, um, yeah. And now I'm glad that we can, you know, we had my one-year-old at a point where, you know, we're a little older, but, um, we have things together more, um, than maybe we would have 15 years ago. And so, but he's, he's got all four of his grandparents. Um, he had uh one grand great grandparent uh, unfortunately that my, oh two great grandparents my grandfather passed away uh last year um but you know he knew him knew he existed and um you know so i'm, I'm thankful that we have four great grandparents right now for him and i mean way? great like a great yeah, aspirational yeah. like great because i'll tell you a story real quick is like i i, I was born pretty early in my parents' life. And so I had four grandparents for a long time. And I had three great grandparents. And one of my great grandparents babysat me one day. Um, this is, you know, I'm I only this isn't a memory so much as it is a story that's been recounted to me. Um, uh, and so I my great grandmother, I was babysat by her and I wasn't supposed to go up the stairs, but I went up the stairs anyway. And um, the classic line is, you know, I got mad because she wanted me to come downstairs. And I said, I don't see why you're so great. <laughs> He's my great grandmother, you know, <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. And you, you, you told about there being like unique in a way. So what, in, in what ways? I think, um, you know, uh, like, like humans are unique. I think it kind of starts geographically. Um, my two, two of my grandparents are born in New York, um, uh, Queens, uh, Flushing and I'm blanking, maybe the Bronx. And then my other two grandparents were born in Michigan. They lived in Florida from my mom's um, uh, childhood. And then my, my dad's parents were from the Northeast. Um, and, you know, they just, they, I think there's some regionality that factors into that. 
there's also different, they did different things. My one grandfather's into golf. My other grandfather's into going to garage sales. You know, they're just unique like, like humans are. They have different approaches. But, um, you know, once you know how to navigate those situations and the relationships, then you can really kind of enjoy them for what they are. Who gave you best Christmas presents? Uh, Santa Claus uh, <laughs> did. What, <laughs> <do> you, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Uh, exactly, yeah. exactly. Sorry. <laughs> No, no. Um, best Christmas present. Like, what stands out? Um, I don't know. I was very fortunate. I received. I, I, I. We, we were very fortunate and privileged. Um, and we had some really. We had a, a Christmas was always an event, and and my birthday is about a month before. So thankfully, far enough off to be its own thing and not be rolled in. Um, you know, anyone born on like December twentieth probably feels the pain of being rolled into the Christmas. Um. Gosh, I, I, you know, I, I guess maybe um, Nintendo consoles, we used to get them as Christmas presents. Like I got the NES probably like five years after it came out just because I was a certain age, I wouldn't have been able to play it. Um, those are really, those are really great gifts. Um, you know, I think it was, I don't know if it was a birthday gift, but one of my most, one of my favorite things we did was um, we went to New York one year. Um, we lived in New Hampshire. And um, so it was a couple of, uh, maybe like five, six, seven, eight hour drive. And um, Home Alone 2 had come out. And, you know, it's still one of my Christmas movies that I watch every year. And, you know, one of my favorite movies in that kind of genre. But um, in the movie, he stays at a certain hotel. He uses the talk boy that you record and play your voice with. So, like, we kind of did that trip. Um, so we went to the hotel. They had talk boys. It was a real product. I still have mine. It's an amazing condition. Um, and uh, I love having it. It's a great sort of piece of, of, of uh, pop culture history. Um, but like me and my brother sat in the backseat and like recorded voices and like manipulated them. And it was it was a fun it was a it was a good trip. We also saw a Yankee game. We're big Yankee fans. Um, and uh, it was a game that didn't count because it ended one one. And they said the stats count, but the game doesn't. And they replayed it. Except for that moment, how did you use uh, this tool? Um, I feel like it had a really short window, excuse me, really short window of like active use before mm. it was sort of put aside, which is probably why it's in great, um, condition. But for a while, I mean, I think it's just like recording different things. I mean, being a young child at the time, right. You're probably, I, I was, I think I did like, um, almost like a sports news thing or something like that. Um, you know, a podcast. Uh, and so, you know, I did a podcast for my audience of one, um, and a little radio broadcast and things like that and recorded what was going on. So yeah, that was the best podcasting tool available at the time. So that's, that's what you, what is your podcasting backstory? Got it. <laughs> yeah. What was the hardest part of having a green wedding without using electricity? Um, you know, the hardest part was it wasn't our choice to do it that way necessarily. So um, when I made that post uh, this year, because our anniversary is January 20th, uh, the three year anniversary, and um, we uh, got married. If you Google height of COVID, um, it says December 2020, January 2021. We like the Google note, like thing they extracted says that. So we got married January 20th, 2021, pre-vaccine height of COVID. And, you know, we took it seriously, still take it seriously. Um, and so, uh, and all of our parents are of a certain age. And so we we kind of played with different scenarios. What's the safest one we can do? This, do we do a small wedding with just them? We fly to a middle point, they drive, don't fly. 
what's the best thing? And ultimately, we weren't comfortable with any amount of risk at that point. Um, that would put them, you know, it's not worth it to get married if, if something happens. And so we ended up just going to Airbnb and finding a nice house about 45 minutes to an hour from us and just kind of sending the person a message being like, you know, because they're all like no events. We're like, well, we just, we just want to get married and it's going to be us and a couple people to help that at just, but just who's needed. And so that's what we did. We hired a crew to stream it, three people that were outside the whole time um, uh, and that were masked as far as I remember. And uh, a rabbi, us two, someone to do Kara's makeup. And then people came earlier set of flowers and that's it. So we had no guests. It was just us. Now the green part comes in the fact that this house happens to be on kind of the side of a hill. And mm -hmm. in this neighborhood, I guess, I didn't know this, when they have high winds, they voluntarily turn their power off. Hmm. Um, and so not only did the power go out, but they voluntarily kept it off for safety reasons. So I got there the night before we're supposed to, we got there the night before we're supposed to get married and, um, it's dark. Um, it's January, sun goes down early, it's cold, it's windy, and there's no power in this, in this house. And the person we rented it from had left a generator. So they had, there was a generator there and I had never used a generator in my life, despite living in areas where there were hurricanes. I just lucked out, hadn't used one, but Pulled my phone up, da 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 da, got it going. So we got power into the hotel or into the into the into the house, and um, hoping it'll come back on because it's about you know 18 hours prior to the wedding, and um, we uh, no power comes back on. So ultimately, I went back down to the gas station, got gas for the generator, kept it going, and you know I'm like talking to the people doing the streaming. First of all, like the Wi-Fi up here isn't great, but like can we actually do this off this generator? But we got it done. I kept the generator running. I kept it full of gas. I was sort of the wedding planner. Um, <laughs> we didn't have like it was it was me kind of doing getting things done that day. And um, hey, it worked. It's a good story. Um, power came back on. We did a Zoom call. I think it was post and where there were like best man speeches, um, made made up honor speeches. And as my um, sister-in-law was giving her talk, was talking, the power came on. So it came on just like an hour after the ceremony finished. So yeah, it was unintentionally green in a sense. Um, not much electricity was used that day. Tell me the backstory of you, Kara, and Ghostbusters. Yeah, so there's a lot of things. I mean, obviously I have this proton pack behind me here um, from Ghostbusters. Um, but if you were to um, visit our apartment or spend a lot of time with us, you would likely see Ghostbusters in some form or another. Um, it's just, it's a movie that's, um, I think it's her favorite movie and it was that way before we met. It's always been my favorite movie. Um, so when we actually met, um, you know, we realized we had a number of different things in common, as you do, um, and that was one of them. And it's just a very strong like thing we have in common to the point where our second date, because we were, in, we were uh, uh, distant. So I was in North Carolina, she was in New York. So that was a drive I made many times. Um, it's, what is it, uh, 17 hours round trip, I think, eight and a half each way. Um, and I did that like a dozen or more times. Um, but our second date was in Virginia and we went to see Ghostbusters because they had put it back in theaters for that um, night. So I snuck in some of this ecto cooler from Ghostbusters. We had that in the theater, watched Ghostbusters. Um, but I think the, the kind of the biggest sort of example of it is that when we got engaged in December of 2019 on Christmas Eve, just prior to COVID sort of hitting, um, it was in front of the Ghostbusters Firehouse in Lower Manhattan in New York. Um, and I had actually the, the, my, the editorial lead on my podcast at the time, Carol Benilvick Bradley, um, who works in community. Um, she came out and sort of hit over here so we'd get some good photos. I had 
Um, a lot of our family was there because a lot of Kara's family is based in New York and my family happened to be visiting New York. Um, yeah, I mean, I have, I'm looking over to the right. I have a Ghostbusters rug that I got as a gift for all of us for the last night of Hanukkah. That's probably going to go in my one-year-old's room. He likes Ghostbusters. Um, he watches Ghostbusters, which is very funny. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's just, it's, it's ever present in our lives. What else equipment do you have at home? I mean, we have a lot of stuff. We are, uh, we are fans of pop culture. Um, we have a lot of books. Um, Kara has a lot of books. She reads quite a bit. I've started reading again recently um, just because I decided it was better for me before bed not to um, look at screens so much. So I've decided to sort of read books again. Um, and I've always done a lot of reading, but like books, you know, come and go sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean, we have arcades. Um, I think that's something people would be interested in. We have a, like seven or eight arcade machines uh, from the arcade one up line. Uh, which I know David DeWald, who's a community pro, is a big fan of um, as well. Um, but we have Rampage and The Simpsons and um, Marvel All-Stars and Golden Sun and NBA Jam and one or two others. And they each have like three or four games in them. Um, so we have them in our living room, kind of off our living room. So we can, you know, they, they don't get played as much as they probably should, but it's it's that's our ambiance. That's our aesthetic is arcade machines and similar. How did your arcade machine story start? You know, the way that we got the first one was because when I was, um, when Kara and I were dating, and this goes on for like, I don't, I don't think this is a community builder thing, but this is just sort of how I approach things. I try to keep things in mind for people. Like I try to remember things. And, you know, when you're dating someone, obviously that intensifies even more. Um, you know, you're trying to remember sort of all of their things. And I, I keep docs on my computer of things. And, you know, as people tell me things, like I don't have to ask the question, they just share something. Um, and she had told me once upon a time that Rampage was her favorite arcade game. So when Arcade One Up came out first, uh, and for those who don't know, they make sort of more affordable three quarter size arcade machines for the home. Um, so, you know, an arcade machine usually costs like, gosh, seven to 10 grand. Um, so that's not really in our budget, but the arcade one up ones can cost like $2.99 or $3.99 mm -hmm. and that's in our budget. Um, and so when I heard about that, I bought it. Um, and we were already living in California at the time. We had both moved across the country. She was recruited by Netflix and I moved six months later to follow her. And so when I heard that was coming out, I, um, I bought it. I pre-ordered it and then I just threw a sheet over it one day and it was a, just a most surprising moment. I think I've, one of the more surprising moments in her life, I think, but that's how it started is like, that was a perfect first machine to get. Um, and from there we kind of picked up a few others. My brother gave us the Simpsons one for Christmas, I think last year, the year before. Um, but we're at the point now where the space we have and the arcade machines we have are about correct. Um, and so I don't think we could support any more even if additional ones come out. So we need to move to a bigger space. What is your favorite one? I think the one I have personally played the most is NBA Jam. Um, NBA Jam has, it has NBA Jam Tournament Edition, I think, as well as NBA, a third NBA game, Hang Time. And um, I played them a lot uh, with my brother when he visits. We went through the whole, you have to beat all the teams to you know win the game. So we played all over a couple of weeks when he was visiting, we beat all the teams. Um, and then a close second, I think, would, the one I go back to more often than not is um, we have a machine that has uh, Galaga. It's a Pac-Man machine, but it has Galaga in it. It's sort of a classic arcade game if you're familiar with it. And I feel like that game is really uh, replayable. You talked about keeping documents on people. So how many mm -hmm. documents do you have? 
Not that many. It's more like it's kind of one. That document in particular is kind of one thing. And I am a gift giver who sort of buys gifts when I see them and then saves them for the right moment. So like I, if I see a good sale on something, I'm because this is super easy with kids. Um, and even more important, I think, given how you need to save some money. Um, if something's on sale and he doesn't need it right now, but he will need it or want it, or it will be great for him for his birthday, for Christmas. And he, at this stage, he doesn't even care about those things. So it's more like things that humor me that I, that he will benefit from. Um, you know, I'll buy it and put it away in a closet. Um, so I just like to, that document is more like a, that document is a gift ideas document, really. I think that's, uh, and so I keep a li running list of like, what should I get this person? And it's really the people that I would routinely uh, give gifts to, mostly family, a few other random people. Um, as ideas come up, I add them. But it's just sort of, I think of thoughtfulness as something that is in you, but also to do it, you you kind of need to do it as a matter of routine. Like I try, you know, being routinely thoughtful means taking the time to understand people's needs and wants and what they like. I think some people, I don't know, there are people who just sort of give a gift that doesn't tie to the person in any way. And yes, it's thoughtful, but it's if you know that person well, it's probably not as as much time as you could have spent on it. So I just it's just a hack for me to save some time and know exactly sort of this. These people like these things. And this is also what I have, because the downside of buying things throughout the year when they're on sale is that sometimes you don't necessarily remember everything you have. So I also have that here. It's like, OK, it's my brother's birthday coming up. We already have something for him. Great. You know, um, and kind of taking it that way, because, you know, we also have a run of birthdays in our family that's very tight in July, where it's like six people have a birthday. Um, and then Mother's Day and Father's Day is just before that. And it's like, I try to do something for everything. And it's like, there's that tight window where it's like, there's a birthday every week. And it's like trying to find things or, or, or make plans for things that, it, you know, you, you want to do it right. So I think, you know, it's just a matter of, it's just how I approach that one particular part of my life. No, it's so fun. I've recently talked to Rusi Berber, and she also has uh, one month of uh, continuing, continuous, not even once, like the whole summer of continuous birthdays coming mm. in her family, and it's it's really it's really interesting. And also, is there one thing that you wanted to receive as a gift? So something like you didn't want to buy it yourself; you wanted somebody to give it to you, but that nobody still didn't give you. To say, <clears throat> to say no, it's not like I have everything in the world. Um, <laughs> I'm just sitting on top of it. It's a really like, um, I don't know, pig-headed answer in a way. But um, I don't know. I think that my ass, I'm sure there are ass there as a kid. Because I used to get the JCPenney catalog, right? Which is, if you're a kid of that era, you know what that means. It's catalog came with amazing toys and things in it, right? Um, Amazon's tried to uh, kind of do their own version in the last few years, but it's so much smaller and it's not the same. So, you know, you look at that catalog as a kid and you're like, circle, yeah, I need this, circle, circle, circle. Yep, of course I need these, like circle, circle. Um, you know, I, I I can't think of anything in particular, which I think it means, it doesn't mean that I got everything I wanted because I didn't, it just means those things weren't important. Um, and so, yeah, there's nothing that really pops out to me. Um, there are lots of things I couldn't have, but um, you know, I've got my Ghostbusters figures. Um, I still have my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figures somewhere. So, you know, those are the things I liked. So I got them. 
You've recently shared that your son blew kisses at the host while you were mm -hmm. waiting for a table. So yep. did you get the best table at that time? I don't think he had any impact, but you know, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> um, it never hurts to be kind to people in a sense. And when, I mean, if I started blowing kisses at people, <laughs> I think it would actually hurt us. But for a one-year-old, you know, it's adorable and cute. And so, um, yeah, it's funny because he goes through phases of greetings. And so like right now he's sort of in a phase where he's greeting people less, but like before that, a couple weeks ago for like a good month or so, instead of saying bye to people, he would blow them kisses when I say, say bye, like we're leaving, say bye. And he goes, <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's, that's great too. That's very nice. And people love it, of course. So, um, long story short, no, I, I think we probably got the table. We were at Disney. I think it's more systematic than that, but um, you know what? It never hurts. <laughs> you also added at that post, learning fast. So mm -hmm. who is he learning the most from? I think he learns a lot from both me and my wife um, and Miss Rachel uh, on YouTube and the kids that he interacts with. Um, and yeah, it's, it's funny because things just occur when you're learning, right? It's like, Things just like yesterday or the day before, I finally figured out he was saying something and it was like, it was pacifier. And um, it doesn't sound exactly like I just said it, but if you have a trained ear for him, then it's pacifier. And so, but all of a sudden he just says, he just says words. Like, so it's like, he's waiting for the moment to just go ahead and say the word to us. Um, he says, he says Ghostbusters, he says cars, cars is a very clear word, both in the sense of the film and in the sense of what's on the street. He loves cars. We drive by. It's like, it's like a movie outside, um, with all the cars on the street here in Hollywood. And, um, yeah, so I think he's, he's learning from everywhere. Everything is an input. And I think it's, I had this moment with my youngest brother that I really, uh, enjoyed when I was a teenager, just the sense of like, what is that? Um, and not knowing what something is and asking. And so I think that'll be fun to go through with him as well as he grows, but not in any rush. And how do you learn? Um, I've atrophied at this point, you know, I'm old. Um, <laughs> no, enough. I mean, enough I think it's enough. <laughs> yeah, enough's enough. Like, no, I think I learn, um, like probably a lot of people learn, which is, and one of the benefits of homeschooling is sort of the flexibility of the education, sort of how you can serve that education, right? It's not the same for everyone. Um, I think I, I just, I'm a constant, I think we're all constantly like inputting um, information. It's unavoidable, even though I've kind of cut down on it more recently. And I think it's healthy for people, especially people who do our work to sort of shut out. Um, I, I mean, I don't really read anything that people write so much about community these days. I pay attention to a few particular people, um, but like overall, like it's a lot of noise and it can take you in a lot of different directions. And so I think just as I navigate through life, as I meet people, talk to people, as I see examples, as I do things myself, I'm always learning. Like I'm just always learning. I don't, I don't, there's not so many, and I don't have as many opportunities now to go say, I'm gonna take a seminar or whatever, you know? And I think those are great. And I think that's a great way to learn and to get certificates or to take a quick study or to do something. Um, but, we're always kind of learning from examples and sort of how people do things and, and also examples of how not to do things, um, I think are super powerful. Um, one of my sort of earliest community learnings that I go back to is, so when I was moderating content when I was 13, it was for a sports community that wasn't mine. Um, it was someone else's. And I moderated there for a couple of years. I had a few thousand posts. I was probably the most active moderator. I was a senior moderator. Um, 
And I think in my time though, the person who managed the community never said thank you one time to me. And mm -hmm. it really stood out to me, even as a teenager, that, um, you know, it doesn't like it, it was so weird. And um, I think that's part of my upbringing and part of just whatever, but also it, it sort of put this thing in me that I, I, I thank people all the time um, and a lot. Um, and to the point where maybe it, it loses some meaning, maybe sometimes, but like ultimately I'm ending the conversation unless I really didn't like you <laughs> with a thank you. <laughs> and so every time okay. I, every, every time I talk to my moderators, cause I have volunteer moderators, I still run a small independent community. I have paid teams. I've had teams as big as eight. Uh, uh, and you know, every time we talk, I'm thanking them for their work. So I think that's better. I think it's better to thank people too much mm. <laughs> than to not thank them at all. So that's how, that's sort of an early lesson for me. Is it more like a habit for you or do you mean it? Uh, I mean it. Um, to say otherwise would really cast me in a bad light, wouldn't it? Um, no, I mean it. I really do. I think that because the people I'm saying it to, um, I, I, you know, I say that saying it a lot waters it down, but I'm not sure that's even true. Like I say, I don't know, you go to the grocery store, right? I have a grocery store downstairs. I go to the same grocery store once or twice a week, I see the same people. Every time I see them, I thank them. I mean it because like they're providing a service, they're helping me with this, they're doing that. Um, I don't think that if I stopped saying it, um, they would think, well, he still appreciates me. You know, I think maybe they would think he had a bad day or he has a one-year-old, he's running around. Why was he a little quicker today? You know, and give me the benefit of the doubt because they know me. Um, uh, but I think that it's important to reinforce that you appreciate people in a way. I mean, it's the same way. And I end every call with family by saying, I love you. Um, and I think I mean it, but it's also routine. And if anything were to happen, it's how I would want that interaction to end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you told that you are coming back to books. So what is the book that you are reading at the moment? Right now I'm reading a book my brother gave me. Um, it's, uh, it's the, there was a show on Netflix, a series called Fall in the House of Usher. Um, mm -hmm. It was about, well, there's one particular Poe story that has that name, Edgar Allan Poe. Um, but, but this series by Mike Flanagan was really um, a mix of Poe stories and they touched on different ones with some showing up more than others. And so I saw that, loved it. Sean, my brother, big Poe fan. We visited Poe's grave actually once together um, years ago. And um, he sent me this book. And so I'm kind of working my way through it because what it does is it includes every Poe story that um, was somehow referenced in the show. And I've mm -hmm. never read Poe um, beyond, well, I'm sure I, maybe I did in school and you know, whatever, forgot it. But um, I've never really read it closely as an adult. And so I'm sort of working my way through that. Um, and that's good. I'm also working my way through a, um, a, a manga called um moriarty um it's about uh that the sherlock holmes character moriarty but it's sort of like it's a different lens of it uh it's like written from moriarty's perspective mm -hmm. and moriarty's part of this family and he's trying to take down all the nobles in britain um and like sherlock holmes isn't the central character in it um and i'm both i'm 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 getting it from the library it's actually the first um, even being here for a while, we only got library cards recently because I wanted to read this series and I don't want to buy it all. So, you know, and I've always liked libraries anyway, but, um, so I'm, it's on hold right now. Number six, I think number six and seven are both on hold. So as soon as they're at the library, I'll go pick them up, uh, and continue my journey on that. So that's, those are the two things I'm sort of alternating between. How this book, uh, about Moriarty changed your view of Sherlock Holmes? 
Um, it hasn't. I've consumed a lot of Sherlock Holmes media over the years. Um, the Robert Downey Jr. films, the Benedict Cumberbatch show. Um, I've watched some of the old, I forget what you'd call them, but the shows from like the 40s, maybe the ones with uh, Basil Rathbone. Um, uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He has a star on the Walk of Fame here. Great actor. Um, and I have uh, listened to audiobooks read by uh, Stephen Fry. Um, you know, I've, I've consumed homes in like all different kinds of ways. And um, yeah, it, it doesn't. It sort of casts him as sort of a... Moriarty is as brilliant as he is, which is sort of the case anyway. But it's like he, Moriarty's more refined than he is in this story. Mm. And so, uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes is a little bit reckless. I think that tends to travel throughout many of his iterations. And I think that's played up a little bit in this version of the story. But it's basically him and Moriarty are equal wits and, and, he, and Moriarty's using Holmes to kind of help accomplish his goals of taking down these British nobles. It's quite gruesome um, in some parts. Like it's, it, there's a particular book it, it, that I read that I won't, I won't show the details here, but like it's, it's quite gruesome what some of the nobles are doing to like common folk. Um, so, you know, you start, you know, you start definitely rooting for Moriarty. I think he's more of a good character in this book, if anything. It's like Sherlock Holmes multiverse or something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is... What are advantages and disadvantages of living in Hollywood? Um, advantages and disadvantages of Hollywood. I mean, I love Hollywood. Um, and I think people, I think people who aren't from, aren't and I lived here, gosh, I moved here in June of 2018. So that means I've been here five and a half years. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, I love it. Like it's it's a it's a it's a fun place to live. There's always things going on. It's very walkable. Um, you know, it's I live right in the heart of Hollywood and it's it's fun. I think California as a whole is a is a great state with incredible diversity, um, both in people, but also in cuisine and, and also in geographical difference. Like I look outside and I can see mountains. Like, and I can drive 45 minutes and be at the beach and see mountains. And then I can drive two hours this way and be up in a ski resort. Um, I mean, there's the California challenge or something. They say, you know, you, mountains and beach in the same day, like you surf and you ski in the same day. Um, it's just, it's an amazing place. I think um, politically, it generally agrees with me. Um, and I kind of like where it has headed. I think people give it a bad rap for all sorts of reasons. I think if you're watching a sort of Fox News broadcast, you know, they tend to focus on homelessness and we have a serious homelessness problem here in California. But the difference between California and some of those other states is that in California, we vote to tax ourselves more to give people money to find solutions where literally we vote on things and then we say, yes, take more money from us and figure it out. Um, you know, we want there to be a solution. And um, I think that, uh, so I, I don't know if I call that disadvantage as much as it's just sort of a perception thing from other people as like Hollywood is this or California is this. And it's like, it's just people, it's just people like anywhere else. Um, but I love being in Hollywood. We're close to Disneyland. We love theme parks. Um, the, the food out in Los Angeles is amazing, amazing culinary scene. Um, disadvantages. I mean, a lot of people would say cost of living. I think that's a disadvantage in general, um, just because it is more expensive to live out here. Some would counter and say like that's because a lot of people do want to live out here. Um, and there's only so much uh, uh, land. So it is expensive to live out here. We could get more for our money in 
other states. I mean, I've lived in in Florida, Massachusetts, Mississippi, North Carolina, and New Hampshire, and California now. This is my sixth state. Those are all very different kinds of states, going from the deep south up to the northeast and now on the west coast. Um, and I love everywhere I've lived pretty much. I probably wouldn't go back to Mississippi. That's the one that I probably didn't enjoy as much as the others. But, um, you know, California is amazing. I mean, it's the climate's amazing. People talk about the weather. Like, it's real. It's real out here, the weather. It's like... It's most of the time, it's like the sky is blue. It, we're in the rain season right now. And I love rain, but we're in the rain season right now. And it rains for like a month or two. And then it won't rain for like six months. Like you just go outside. You don't think about weather ever for like six to eight months. It's 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 nuts. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I feel like I didn't answer the disadvantage point very, very well. But I think that the cost of living, the competitiveness of the housing market out here, you know, we tried to buy a house a while back and just... It fell apart because of inspection, but like it's very competitive, it's very expensive, uh, and so that can kind of wear on you. But um, there are good values to find. It just sort of takes longer to find them. Um, so yeah, that's my rambling answer. And how do you feel while having an earthquake? I'm used to it now. Um, you know, it's it's another really interesting thing about being out here. That's like the weather that you don't realize until you get here is like they have earthquakes are all the time. You don't feel all of them, but if you look at like the the monitor for earthquakes is like they're happening. Um, and it definitely has happened probably half a dozen to a dozen times where there's a meaningful shake. I think the worst one was uh, like last year, uh, again, no damage to anything, but it was like things were moving. And I was like, huh, this is an earthquake. Stay in there <laughs> for a second. Um, is baby okay? He's asleep. Um, it's like, you know, so it was it was pretty interesting, but it's one of those things where the first and second time I was like, wow, And then after that, it's sort of like, okay, that was just another sort of thing and it happens and yeah. Are you supposed to go outside while having an earthquake? I think you're supposed to stand in a doorway or get in a bathtub sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. I think if you're outside, you should probably just, and in an open air area, that's fine. You could just stay there. Um, unless the ground opens up, you're going to be okay probably, as long as you're not standing next to any trees. But um, yeah, I think that's, Hopefully that's not the wrong answer. Um, but, you know, we haven't had any real catastrophic weather events out here. Hollywood's sort of an interesting spot because, like, people think about wildfires, too, with California. But to have wildfires, you kind of have to have a lot of greenery and a lot of dry greenery. And, like, there's parks around here, but we're, it's pavement. Um, so we're not going to have any wildfires in this part, but people still check on you kindly. You know, when there's things going on in California, there's a wildfire, it's like, Once it hits the asphalt, the fire stops. Like those people up there have a serious concern and it is sort of worrying, especially when you're looking at where to buy a home. You think about those things. But as far as those of us living in Hollywood or downtown LA, like we're we're sort of safe. I think an earthquake or maybe floods. Um, if it rains enough, you know, people mm -hmm. aren't used to rain out here, um, then it can cause an issue. That's pretty boring stuff though. Um, <laughs> How do you feel when see another Patrick's pub, restaurant, or any other place? I love it. Um, who wouldn't, you know? Um, I, uh, I have a friend, his name's Tanner Smith, and he was a moderator for me at, at phpbbhacks.com years ago, and now he's a really amazing engineer for Apple. And um, he, uh, I came across a restaurant once named Tanner Smith's. Literally his whole name. And I had to send him a picture. And now anytime I run across a Tanner's, I send him a picture, even if it's just Tanner. Um, Yeah, I love it. And now having a, a son named Patrick and my father's named Patrick, my grandfather's named Patrick. Um, it's not the sort of 
that sounds like a, a royal family thing or something like that. None of us are juniors. There's no juniors or thirds or fourths. Everyone has their own unique middle name. Um, but yeah, I like my name. I'm happy I got it. And so when I see it on something else, uh, I find it funny. Have you ever thought about opening your own pub? Not seriously. I don't drink. Um, so I, it would be weird. I, I mean, maybe that would just make me an incredible business person, actually. Um, cause the way, cause you know, the way a lot of bars and restaurants and country clubs, um, and I know this from being around that business, my dad's worked in, you know, kind of get in trouble as they kind of give away the bar, um, you know, overpouring of, 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 uh, spiritus liquors, um, uh, of spirits and liquors and things like that. And so it's, you know, overpouring can cost a lot of, a lot of money and ultimately put someone in financial trouble. So maybe I'd be great for that because I don't drink. And I would just be like right on the mark of like, okay, you know, this is the, this is the poor, you know? Um, yeah. Restaurants are a tough, tough business. They really are. Um, and uh, it's, it's not, yeah, it, it's tough. So I, I have a lot of uh, respect for people who actually give it a shot and, and pull it off. What are your, what is your favorite non-alcoholic drink? Um, I drink a lot of things. Um, I drink a fair amount of seltzer. I drink some the Trader Joe's low calorie lemonade. I like that a lot. 40 calories per eight ounces. <laughs> um, and uh, I drink a, a coffee probably twice a day, um, like a cold brew. I think my favorite thing to drink at this stage, and I like water, might be a... Uh, Thankfully, I like water because I think you're in real trouble if you don't like you need to stay hydrated. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess it got a lot of a taste between like a seltzer and a coffee, like a latte, but flavored. Like it kind of has to be a dessert almost in a sense. I don't do, I don't do uh, black coffee. I don't do like just a latte. It has to be like vanilla or something else. I will say there was a seltzer that I really liked. It was by a company called Ugly Drinks and they went on a business, but they had a cherry cola seltzer. And mm. when I drank soda, because I used to drink soda a, a fair amount, cherry Coke was my favorite. And this is the closest I've had. So like that was a really great drink. Um, and they went out of business though. And so I hope, or maybe one day I'll have the level of wealth while I'll con them and say, can I just buy your assets and we'll put it back in production? Because I really, really, really liked that drink. And it's a shame they went out of business. So we'll finally have Patrick's soda. Well, I don't know if they had a fun <laughs> brand. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know. Patrick, that's not a strong brand. But maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe it could be. How often do you use a phrase, if take it outside, it's no longer secret? I, I don't think I've ever said that. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that in my life. Did you find me saying that in a post somewhere? I'm just curious. You okay. once yeah, no, wrote never... that is a pretty hilarious phrase. No, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever had anyone tell me that either. Yeah. Okay. You know, Patrick, I really wish to have the sky is the limit to our conversation, but time is the limit. So let's jump to mm -hmm. rapid fire questions. Okay. Hip hop concert or Netflix documentary? Netflix documentary. Halloween or Hanukkah? Uh, I would say I love both, but uh, I won't do a cop out. I'll take Halloween. We have a lot of fun. What are your favorite color and song? Color and song? Song. Uh, did you say color first? Yeah. Okay, green. And then uh, song, you know, it really moves around. Um, what's my favorite song these days? Um, what am I listening to a lot? It's such a funny thing. It's like, it's like there's so many different 
songs. Um, I like, it's not, I don't know, I'll say Elevate by Drake. If you were a superhero, what superpower would you have? Uh, Stan Lee was asked this question and he said luck, because if you're lucky, then everything else sort of works out. And my name is Patrick. So luck Have you seen um, the movie Luck, animational movie Luck? I don't think so. I feel like you'd, you'd like it. Okay. I'm sure I'll get there now. <laughs> Who do you learn from? Name just one person. Uh, my wife. And name two people who I should definitely reach out to and have this conversation with. Uh, you should, if you're sticking with community folks, um, you okay. should, um, I mean, two of the people that I really uh, respect and hold in high regard are Rebecca Newton, who I just had on the show we talked about, and Derek Wozniak. Um, you know, both legends of the work, um, incredible people. Um, and uh, yeah, and I would I would say those two, I'll limit myself. Is there one question that I definitely should have asked you, but didn't? Um, you know, you could ask me stuff about CNN. I don't know what the question is, but um, I'm happy to talk about my time there. And it's a really interesting place. Uh, you could have asked me to explain the triad, maybe, because that's a fascinating thing at CNN. That's right. You want to ask it now? It. Go ahead. Exactly. So CNN has the triad and it's a three-headed operation. It's um, standards and practices, legal, and the row. So the row are the people who approve reporting, anonymous sources, death notices, things of that nature. Your journalism has to be approved by the row. But the three, those three folks, if you you need their approval, um, it's 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 an interesting sort of operation they have to ensure that the things that reach CNN in any sort of way, a product, a news story, something on air passes their rigorous standards because everyone makes mistakes, but you know, you obviously want to make as few as possible in their line uh, of work. There was a joke someone said in a presentation, CNN doesn't kill anyone, meaning we don't publish fake death notices. Um, and so, you know, when you hear that, you're like, are we going to, are we going to hop in the arena? Like, do I need to put on a gladiator costume? We're going to the triad. Like what, what is this? Um, and a lot of people who work in news haven't heard of anything like it. We had a uh, a veteran journalist come over from Fox News and he was talking to staff and he said he hadn't heard of anything like this. And so, like I said, it's the road. News and standards and practices is fairly self-explanatory, legal self-explanatory. But when you first talk to these folks, you're like, well, they could they can literally kill your thing. Like there are products that you, if you don't get their approval, it just doesn't happen. There's no end around. Right. So um, it's intimidating. But what I found is they were um, great. Like I think ultimately, like they wanted us to succeed, but they wanted to make sure that CNN wasn't put in a vulnerable place. And so my nature is to document things to write everything down and to have everything sort of grounded in facts and reality. And they love me. That played well. Um, you know, and I think that that's, that's sort of the kind of thing where it's like, it's a, you're never in the room until you're in the room. Um, and so like when you actually talk to people that are at a high level that have that sort of authority, you know, you kind of get a validation of your work. So you never know what you're capable of unless you kind of reach up a little bit. And even though it was just kind of simple phone calls and conversations, ultimately, it's sort of a validation of the work you do. So, um, yeah, that's just the triads of funny thing. You can Google it. There's stories out there about it. Um, but I, I get the sense that that packaging is fairly unique to CNN. Um, and it's just interesting to read through. Tell me one crazy story connected with you and CNN. One crazy story. I mean, the crazy story that's connected to me is that um, CNN Plus launched streaming service um, we launched for CNN and I spent 18 months working on. 
Um, and my son was born on April 20th, 2022 at like 9.33 p.m. By 9 a.m. the next morning in the hospital recovery room at Cedar sinai here in, uh, or here in Los Angeles, um, my phone started going off. And they had announced that CNN Plus was closing less than 12 hours after my son was born on my first day of parental leave. And so I was talking to my team. I just hired two people two and a half weeks prior. I had a team of four reporting into me and sort of figuring out what came next. So I actually spent more, more time on Slack and, and phone that day than I had expected. Zero as what I expected. Um, but, you know... So that's wild because I had all these great jokes lined up about launching two products this month. I launched a Sun and I launched CNN Plus, like two big products in a month. And then they killed one of them. Um, thankfully, I still launched the most important product. Uh, really, my wife did the launching, but I was there. Um, and yeah, I mean, it sounds like, uh, you know, that's an awful story. But, you know, they were, I don't want to sound like uh, I'm in love with the hostage taker or however you would phrase it. But like they gave us a generous severance. They invited, well, I was invited to stay. But the severance was so good that I ultimately decided to leave. My son had just been born. I got nine months and I'm like, let's just do that. So ultimately, maybe a blessing in disguise and, and all is well that ends well. How do you feel about fate? Um, I guess I don't really feel much about it. Um, you know, fate is fate. <laughs> If you believe in it, it's sort of where you end up, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, Patrick, I, I can continue this conversation forever, but as I told, time is the limit. So thank you very much for giving me, allowing me to jump a little bit into details of your life because, mm -hmm. you know, like meeting somebody on social media and like reading professional um, posts and uh, getting to know a person from their title and experience is totally different than seeing them from the human side. And today you're allowed me to get a little bit of your human side and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for that. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And see you in the community world.